ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله so we reach the section where the Imam Al-Imam Al-Barbahari rahimahullah ta'ala mentioned وَإِذَا سَمِعْتَ الرَّجُلَ يَطْعَنَ عَلَى الْآثَارِ أَوْ يَرُدُّ الْآثَارِ أَوْ يُرِيدُ غَيْرَ الْآثَارِ فَاتَّهِمْهُ عَلَى الْإِسْلَامِ وَلَا تَشُكْ أَنَّهُ صَاحِبُ هَوَى مُبْتَدِعِ That if you hear someone criticizing or rejecting the narrations or desiring something other than the narrations have doubt about his Islam, do not doubt about his being a person of desires and innovation. So we'll just go over this section again. المؤلف يضع مقياسا يعرف به أهل البدع أو يعرف به أهل البدع والضلال من أهل الحق والهدى. Here the author is putting down a criteria by which you can understand and know who the people of innovation and misguidance are. As opposed to the people of truth and guidance. فالمسلم الصادق المخلص يجب أو يحب السنة ويحترم نصوصها ويلتزمها في كل شؤونه. So the Muslim, the truthful, sincere Muslim loves the Sunnah and honors its texts, respects the texts and sticks to them in all of his affairs. وَأَصْحَابُ الْأَهْوَىٰ عَلَىٰ خِلَافِ هَذَا الْمَنْهَجِ But the people of desires are in opposition to this methodology. فَلَا يَطْعَنُوا فِي الْأَحَدِيثِ أَوْ يَرُدُّهَا عِنْدَ الْإِحْتِجَاجِ بِهَا أَوْ يَرْغَبُ عَنْهَا إِلَّا مُبْتَدِعْ ضَالٍ So nobody criticizes the hadith or rejects the hadith when you take the evidences from them or has an issue with these hadith and shuns away from them, no one does that except the person of innovation, the misguided one. فَقَوْلُ الْمُؤَلِّفِ مُسْتَنَدٌ إِلَىٰ حَدِيثِ الرَّسُولِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ So the statement of the author, Al-Imam Al-Barbahari, رحمه الله, is taken from the hadith of the Prophet wasallam based upon the hadith where the Prophet wasallam said لا ألفين أحدكم متكئا على أريكته يأتيه أمر مما أمرت به أو نهيت عنه فيقول لا أدري ما وجدنا في كتاب الله اتبعناه the Prophet said, Do not let me find one of you laying back upon his seating place. Do not let me find one of you laying back upon his seating place. La alfiyanna ahadakum muttakian ala arikatihi yaatihi amrun mimma amartu bihi. And a command comes to him from amongst the commandments that I have made. Or I have given, or something which I have prohibited from. Do not let that person sitting there relaxing and a command comes to him or a prohibition comes to him. Let him not say, 
لا أدري I don't know ما وجدنا في كتاب الله اتبعنا whatever we find in the Quran we follow it but this sunnah we don't know do not let me find one of you sitting or relaxing and a narration comes to him from the commands or the prohibitions and then he says I don't know what's in the Quran we follow other than that I don't know يعني يأتي إلى الحديث من حديث الرسول عليه الصلاة والسلام meaning the person he comes to a hadith from the narrations of the Prophet ﷺ a command or a prohibition فيقول ما أستسلم أنا he says I do not submit to this narration عندي كتاب الله يكفيني he says I have the book of Allah that will be enough for me فهذا ضال this type of person is misguided يرد بيان القرآن وشرحه وتفصيله وما يخص عامه ويقيد مطلقه He is rejecting the clarification of the Quran and the explanation of the Quran and the details of the Quran and that which is specified from that which is general All of these things, he is rejecting them ويرد في نفس الوقت القرآن نفسه And in reality he is rejecting the Quran itself how is he rejecting all of these things? Because it is the sunnah that does all of those things. It is the sunnah which clarifies the Qur'an, which explains the Qur'an, which gives the details of the Qur'an, which gives the specifics to that which is general of the Qur'an. It is the sunnah which clarifies all of those points. So therefore a person who says that he is not going to take the sunnah then in reality he is rejecting all of these things with regards to the Qur'an. And in reality he is actually rejecting the Qur'an itself. Because it is the Qur'an itself that tells you to follow the sunnah. وَمَا آتَاكُمُ الرَّسُولُ فَخُذُوهُ وَمَا نَهَاكُمْ عَنْهُ فَانْتَهُ That which the Prophet ﷺ gives you then take it. And that which he prohibits you from then abstain from it. Also Allah said فَلْيَحْذِرِ الَّذِينَ فَلْيَحْذَرِ الَّذِينَ يُخَالِفُونَ عَنْ أَمْرِهِ أَنْ تُصِيبَهُمْ فِتْنَةِ أَوْ يُصِيبَهُمْ عَذَابٌ أَلِيمٌ That let them be warned, the ones who oppose his command, that some fitna may overcome them. As some of the scholars said shirk. Or that they may be overcome by a painful torment. And similarly Allah said وَأَنزَلْنَا إِلَيْكَ الذِّكْرَ لِتُبَيِّنَ لِلنَّاسِ مَا نُزِّلَ إِلَيْهِمْ And we have revealed to you the dhikr in order that you can clarify to the people what has been revealed to them. Meaning the sunnah we have revealed to you in order that you can then clarify to the people what has been revealed to them in the Qur'an. فَالرَّسُولْ بَيَّنَا So the Prophet ﷺ clarified وَمَا أَمَرَ بِهِ وَنَهَا عَنْهُ مِثْلَ النُّسُوسِ الْقُرْآنِيَّةِ كَمَا فِي حَدِيثِ الْمِقْدَامِ ابْنُ مَعْدِ كَرِبْ يُوشِكُ الرَّجُلُ مُتَّكِئًا عَلَىٰ أَرِيكَتِهِ يُحَدِّثُ بِحَدِيثٍ مِنْ حَدِيثِ فَيَقُولْ بَيْنَنَا وَبَيْنَكُمْ كِتَابُ اللَّهِ عَزَّ وَجَلْ فَمَا وَجَدْنَا فِيهِ مِنْ حَلَالِ اسْتَحْلَلْنَا وَمَا وَجَدْنَا فِيهِ مِنْ حَرَامِ اسْتَحْرَمْنَا أَلَا وَإِنَّمَا حَرَّمَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ مِثْلُ مَا حَرَّمَ اللَّهُ So in this narration it is mentioned that uh, a person he may narrate a hadith and so the individual says the criteria between me and you or us and you is the Quran 
So whatever we find in the Quran, we'll consider that to be halal. And whatever we find in the Quran, or, or that which we do not find in the Quran, then we will not accept that as halal. And whatever we find in the Quran as haram, then we will accept that as haram. And what we do not, then we will not. That is the meaning of that narration. However, the narration then says at the end, that which the Prophet has made haram, then that is the same as what Allah has made haram. I.e. the sunnah is revelation just like the Quran is revelation. The sunnah is revelation just like the Quran is revelation. فَالنَّصُّ الْقُرْآنِ الَّذِي يُبَيِّنُ حَرَامًا حَلَالًا يَجِبُ اتِّبَاعُ So the ayah of the Qur'an which says something is halal or something is haram, then it must be followed. وَمِثْلُهُ النَّصِّ النَّبَوِي الَّذِي يُنَصُّ عَلَى تَحْرِيمِ حَرَامُ وَتَحْلِيلِ حَلَالٍ يَجِبُ أَنْ يُؤْخَذَ بِهِ وَيَتَقَبَّلُ Similarly, the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ if there is a text from the ahadith which tells you something is halal or something is haram, then that must also be taken. كَمَا يُؤْخَذُ بِالنُّسُوسِ الْقُرْآنِيَّ وَتُتَقَبَّلُ Just like the ayat of the Qur'an are taken and they are accepted. فَفِي التَّشْرِيعَاتِ التَّحْرِيمُ وَالتَّحْلِيلُ هُمَا so in the sharia, in the legislations, something being made halal, something being made haram, it is the same. As for the miracles, the miraculous nature, then the Quran is different. The miraculous nature of the Quran and the rulings regarding the Quran are different to the Sunnah. But the end result that the Sunnah is to be taken and accepted just like the Quran is, is the same. But other factors may differ. So for example, the Quran, يُصَلَّى بِهِ فِي الصَّلَاةِ you recite the Qur'an in the prayer when you read the prayer. You can't recite a hadith, for example. Even a hadith Qudsi, you could not recite that as part of the prayer. The recitation in the prayer is the Qur'an itself. Uh, bihi, and you can challenge the people with it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala challenged the humans and the jinn to bring even an ayah that is similar to it. And the Prophet ﷺ did not used to challenge the people with his sunnah. He did not used to say, bring a hadith which is similar to my hadith. Rather, he used to say, the challenge was to bring an ayah similar to the ayat of the Qur'an. And they could not. And therefore, from these types of points, they are different. That the Qur'an, you recite it in the prayer. And that a challenge has been made to mankind, to the jinn, to bring an ayah even similar to it, and they cannot. And that is something specific to the Qur'an. It is not being mentioned in the same way as the sunnah. However, in terms of aqidah, in terms of halal, in terms of haram, then the Qur'an is to be accepted just like the sunnah is accepted. Then he says, وَعَلَمْ أَنَّ جُورَ السُّلْطَانِ لَا يَنْقُصُ فَرِيضَ مِنْ فَرَائِذِ اللَّهِ عز وجل التي افترضها على لسان نبيه صلى الله عليه وسلم جوره على نفسه وتضوعك وبرك معه تام إن شاء الله يعني الجماعة والجمعة معهم والجهاد معهم 
then says, No, that a ruler's oppression does not reduce or remove anything which Allah has made obligatory upon the tongue of the Messenger. A ruler being oppressive does not remove or reduce anything which Allah has made obligatory or the, uh, upon the tongue of the Prophet. His oppression is upon himself. If a ruler oppresses, his oppression is upon himself. Your acts of obedience and good deeds along with behaving well towards him are complete if Allah wills the Most High. Accompany them in all acts of obedience such as the congregational prayer and the Jumu'ah prayers for you have your independent intention for that. That is your intention, you do your righteousness. If the ruler is oppressive, then that is his oppression. هذه من نصائحه رحمه الله في موقف المسلمين من السلطان المسلم. These are from the advices of Al Imam Al Barbahari uh, regarding the rulers. أنه إذا ظلم السلطان that if the ruler happens to be oppressive. لا ينقص فريضة من فرائض الله عز وجل. That does not mean that the obligations of Allah are reduced or removed in any way. يعني لا على عموم المسلمين ولا على خصوصهم ما داموا يصلون في مساجدهم ولا يمنعون من الصلاة ولا يمنعون من أداء الزكاة ولا إلى آخره. As long as the prayer is still established, the prayer is still established and you are not prohibited from that, and the other rulings are established, then the person is not harmed in his religion. So that type of ruler, who doesn't prevent you from the prayer, doesn't prevent you from giving zakat, etc. It doesn't prevent you from the Islamic obligations upon you. Then whatever oppression he does, it is upon himself. It is not harming the Muslims. That is oppression upon himself. لا ينقصوا فريضة من فرائض الإسلام ولا يحملون من جورهم شيئا عليهم أن يصبروا ومن أراد أن ينصح فلينصح بالطريقة التي تجدي وتنفع So the people must be patient If the ruler is oppressive The ruler does some wrongdoing Then the people must be patient and whomsoever is able to advise the ruler, then he may go and do so in the beneficial ways of advising the ruler. If the ruler accepts that advice, then that's good. It's done. But if he doesn't, then the people whomsoever go and advise him have fulfilled the obligation upon themselves. الشاهد أنه ما يجوز الخروج على السلطان إذا جاء. The point is, it is not permissible to go and rebel out against the rulers if they do oppression. It is not permissible to go out and rebel against the rulers if they do oppression. ولا يجوز ترك الجمعة والجماعة معه. And it is not permissible to abandon the prayer or the Jumu'ah behind them or with them or to abandon the Hajj. وما شاكل ذلك. Or other affairs that are similar to that. You can't abandon those things claiming the ruler is oppressive. 
ويرصدون لها الأوقاف وما شاكل ذلك هذا خير ونشاركهم في بل واجب علينا هذه المشاركة أن نصلي في المساجد ونصلي وراء الأئمة الجمع الجمع والجماعات So this is an obligation upon us that we stick to that congregation we pray in the jama'ah we pray the jum'ah and we do not go out against the rulers and rebel against them uh, it's mentioned there are some examples from the time of al-hajjaj the oppressive ruler uh, and other examples that are mentioned where the companions that were still alive they were patient and they commanded the people to be patient and going out against the rulers and rebelling and fighting and causing chaos, then that is not the way of Ahlul Sunnah. That is not the uh, methodology of a Salafiyyah taken from the way of the Salaf because the Salaf themselves, they advised with exactly these affairs, i.e. not to go out against the rulers, not to cause chaos, not to go and cause demonstrations and riots. Those are from the ways of the Ikhwan al-Muslimin. The Ikhwan al-Muslimin and their likes, they are the ones who go out carrying these types of activities which lead on to even more evils, lead on to chaos, lead on to the corruption and people out on the streets and the fighting and the demonstrations. That isn't the way of Ahlul Sunnah. It isn't the way of the Salafi methodology. Rather, you're patient with the ruler, make dua for the ruler. And the ones who are able to advise, advise, but not to go out rebelling and causing chaos and demonstrating. Then he says, وَإِذَا رَأَيْتَ الرَّجُلَ يَدْعُوا عَلَى السُّلْطَانِ فَعَلَمْ أَنَّهُ صَاحِبُ هَوَىٰ Al-Imam Al-Barbahari says, If you find a man making supplication against the ruler, know that he is a person of innovation. If you find a man making supplication against the ruler, then know he is a person of innovation, a person of desires. وَإِذَا رَأَيْتَ الرَّجُلَ يَدْعُوَ لِلسُّلْطَانِ بِالصَّلَاحِ فَعَلَمَ أَنَّهُ صَاحِبُ سُنَّةِ إِنشَاءَ And if you see a man making dua for the ruler, for the rectification of the ruler, that he should be a good ruler, then know, inshaAllah, that person is a person of the sunnah. Yaqulu Fudayl, it is mentioned from Fudayl ibn Iyad, uh, that he said, لَوْ كَانَ لِي مَا جَعَلْتُهَا إِلَّا فِي السُلْطَانِ That if I had a dua which was going to be answered, then I would not make it for anyone else except the ruler himself. If I had one dua which was definitely going to be answered, then I would make that dua for the ruler. I would make that dua for the leader. And this is from the fiqh of Fudayr ibn Iyad. It is from his understanding because he realizes if Allah rectifies the ruler, the leader, then all of the people in that country will be under goodness. They will all be upon goodness under that righteous ruler. So he said, if I had one dua which was going to be answered, I wouldn't make it for anyone else except the leader. I would make the dua that Allah makes the leader good. Uh, then it's mentioned, uh, the narration after that, 
حدثنا أحمد بن كامل قال حدثنا الحسين بن محمد الطبري قال حدثنا مردوي الصائغ قال سمعت فضيلا يقول لو أن لدعوة مستجابة ما جعلتها إلا في السلطان قيل له يا أبا علي فسر لنا هذا So then the people they said to Fudail ibn Iyad when he said I would make the dua for the ruler, for the leader they said to him explain to us what do you mean? قال إذا جعلتها في نفسي لم تعدني that if I made it for myself then it would not go beyond myself وإذا جعلتها في السلطان صلح فصلح بصلاحه العباد والبلاد but if I make that dua for the ruler, he will be rectified. And all of the people under his rule in the country will also be rectified. So he commanded us to make dua for them, for them to be rectified. And we've not been commanded to make dua against the rulers. وَإِنْ ظَلَمُوا أَوْ جَارُوا Even if they are oppressive and they transgress لِأَنَّ ظُلْمَهُمْ وَجُورَهُمْ عَلَىٰ أَنفُسِهِمْ وَصَلَاحِهِمْ لِأَنفُسِهِمْ وَلِلْمُسْلِمِينَ But their oppression, it is only upon themselves. If they oppress, the oppression is only upon themselves. But if they are rectified, then the rectification is for all of the people. Their tyranny and oppression is only upon themselves. But their rectification is good for themselves and the Muslims. So this section highlights very clearly the methodology of Ahl Sunnah with regards to the rulers. That it is our methodology. We do not make dua against the rulers. We do not make dua upon the rulers. That they be destroyed and that they be killed etc etc As some of the misguided individuals they do The people of innovation and desires Rather the methodology of Ahlul Sunnah is To make dua for the rulers To make dua for the rulers That is the methodology of Ahlul Sunnah And you can see that from the methodology of the Salaf themselves Fudail ibn Iyad saying if he had one dua that was going to be answered, he would make it for the leader. This is why the people of innovation, the people of desires do not follow the methodology of the Salaf. Because if they did, they would have to accept narrations like this and follow the way of the Salaf and not do chaos and demonstrations and rebelling. But the Ikhwanis, the people of chaos... They don't want to restrict themselves to these types of narrations. They want to cause chaos. They want to go out and demonstrate. And so they refuse these types of narrations or they turn a blind eye to them so that they can carry on with their demonstrations and their chaos. So the Shaykh mentions, لأن, Shaykh Rabi'ah, لَأَنَّهُ لَوْ كَانَ يُرِيدُ لِلسُلْطَانِ الصَّلَاحِ وَلِلْأُمَّةِ الْخَيْرِ لَدَعَالَهِ because if a person wants goodness for the ruler and wants goodness for the people, then he will make dua for the ruler. He will ask Allah to rectify the ruler, not to destroy him. وَإِذَنْ فَدَعَوَتُهُ عَلَى السُّلْطَانِ تَدُلُّ عَلَى انْحِرَافِهِ عَنِ السُنَّةِ وَأَنَّهُ مِنْ أَهْلِ الْأَهْوَاءِ So a person who makes dua against the ruler, against him, that shows he, this person is a person of desires and a person of misguidance. وَهَذَا الصِّنْفِ مَوْجُودُونَ وَلَا يُرِيدُونَ أَنْ يُصْلِحْ 
أن يصلح السلطان لأن صلاحه يخرس ألسنتهم عن الدعايات المغرضة These people do not want the ruler to be rectified These people who cause chaos and they want to go out and demonstrate and they want to kill These types of people do not want the ruler to be rectified Because if the ruler is rectified, they will be silenced If the ruler was a righteous man and rectified and upon correction with his affairs They would be silenced and they would have no position to stand upon So they do not want the rectification of the ruler They want to have chaos and they want to go out and demonstrate They want to get rid of him That's their purpose They don't want him to be rectified They don't care about him being rectified They don't care about having a good ruler They just want to get rid of him They want to have demonstrations They want to cause chaos They want to fight to get rid of the ruler So they don't want him to be rectified They don't want to make dua that Allah makes him good And this is from their misguidance And it shows that they are people of desires Because the reality is they should be wanting the goodness of the ruler and they should be wanting the rectification of the ruler. Yuridun dunya they want the worldly benefits. They want to gain the money and the wealth and the luxuries. That's why they want to get rid of the ruler so they can get more worldly benefits for themselves too. They don't want the ruler to become rectified. They want him to be deposed so that they can take over and they can get the worldly benefits and the gains. So this shows to you the evil nature of the people of desires. يقولون, so they will try to incite the people and they will say, They will say to people, look what the ruler did. Look what happened afterwards. And they try to light up the fires, to spark the fires, to uh, make that wood burn in the fires. Of fitna, the fires of fitna they want to try to create. And they incite and encourage the people upon corruption. Because it is not from their uh, benefit, it is not something that they want that the ruler should be rectified. They don't want the rectification of the ruler and they don't want everything to be rectified. Because that will then go against their objectives. فَلَا شَكَّ أَنَّهُ صَاحِبُ هَوَى So there is no doubt this type of person is misguided, a person of desires. So be aware of those types of things. There are many people out there now, many people out there claiming to be upon the proper way, claiming to be Sunni, claiming to be upon the way of the Prophet ﷺ, and they do exactly this. They try to get everybody against the rulers. They try to get everyone to go to the demonstrations. They try to get everyone to fight against the rulers and to get rid of them. That is from the way of these misguided people. The one who is upon the way of Ahlul Sunnah, he will make dua for the ruler. And he will be patient upon the ruler, even if the ruler happens to do wrong in some things. And that's why you have this great narration of Al-Fudayl ibn Iyad, rahimahullah, that he said, if I had a dua that was going to be answered, I would make it for the leader. Not for myself, not for my family. I would make it for the leader, he said. Why? Because he said, if I make dua for myself, that will just be for my good. I'll benefit from the dua that I make for myself. But if I make the dua for the ruler, then if the ruler is rectified, all of the people under his authority 
under his command will also be rectified. Will also be rectified. Somebody says a question to Sheikh Rabia. ما حكم الدعاء للسلطان في خطبة الجمعة على المنبر What is the ruling on making dua for the ruler asking Allah to rectify him asking Allah to make the rulers good on the Friday khutbah whilst doing the khutbah on the member Is it permissible to make dua to the rulers or to Allah for the rulers to make dua to Allah for the rulers to have them rectified and to have them upright on the member in the khutbah on a Friday, the Sheikh says, Insha'Allah, Jaiza, Man Harramaha. Sheikh says, Yes, it's permissible, Insha'Allah. Who has said that it is haram to do that? It is permissible to make that dua for the rulers on the member in the khutbah. However, it is not something that you do every single khutbah. Then it could end up being an innovation. If you think that this is something you have to do every single khutbah, make dua for the rulers, then you could go out into something which is not correct. But generally now and again making dua for the rulers and the member, it is permissible, the Shaykh says. But to make it something regular every single khutbah, then that is not something which is mentioned. After that point, Al-Imam Al-Barbahari then goes on to say, وَلَا تَذْكُرْ أَحَدًا وَلَا تَذْكُرْ أَحَدًا مِنْ أُمَّهَاتِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ إِلَّا بِخَيْرٍ Do not say anything about the mothers of the believers, the wives of the Prophet ﷺ, except goodness. Only speak about the wives of the Prophet ﷺ with goodness. Ummahatul Mu'minina, the mothers of the believers, they are the wives of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Zawjatun Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And it is known that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam married several wives. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam married several wives during his time. The first of those wives was who? Khadija radiallahu anha. And the Prophet sallallahu did not marry anyone else whilst he was married to Khadija radiallahu anha. Then the remainder of his wives thereafter. So all of these are the mothers of the believers, the wives of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi uh, it's in the Quran, it mentions النبي أولى بالمؤمنين من أنفسهم وأزواجه أمهاتهم His wives are their mothers. The wives of the Prophet ﷺ are the mothers of the believers. فهن أمهات المؤمنين يعني لهم الاحترام والتقدير والمحبة So we honor them and respect them and have love for them. ولا يجوز لأحد أن يتزوج واحدة منهن and it was not permissible for anyone to marry any of those wives of the Prophet Sallallahu 
من أبنائهن يعني أبنائهن المؤمنين رضوان الله عليهن. So here the Sheikh mentions regarding their great status and that it is not permissible for anyone to have been alone with them and that how they used to be upon humbleness and humility and modesty and covering themselves in front of the people. وَكَانُوا يَأْخُذُونَ عَنْهُنَّ الْعِلْمَ بِوَاسِطَةِ الْحِجَابِ And the people used to take knowledge from the mothers of the believers uh, via a covering. وَالشَّاهِدْ And the point therefore of this section is لَهُنَّ هَذِهِ الْمَنْزِلَةِ That they have a great status. They have a great status. The wives of the Prophet ﷺ, the mothers of the believers. لِأَنَّهُنَّ زَوْجَاتُ هَذَا النَّبِيِّ الْكَرِيمِ عَلَيْهِ الصَّلَاةُ وَالسَّلَامِ because they are the wives of this great prophet. They are the wives of the great prophet Muhammad Therefore they are in the position of, in the likening of the mothers of the believers in their respect and their honor and their position. Rather they are even better. But it is not permissible for anyone to have entered upon them except with permission. And none of them used to speak to them except behind a covering. Meaning normal people, normal believers. They could only speak to the wives of the Prophet ﷺ behind a covering if they were seeking some knowledge or something along those affairs. So here the author is talking about those people who speak bad about the companions. And they speak bad about the wives of the Prophet ﷺ. From the Rafida and the Khawarij. So here, Al-Imam Al-Barbahari is telling us not to be like the Khawarij and the Rafidah, but to be Ahl-Sunnah upon the methodology of the Salaf in speaking good about the companions and about the wives of the Prophet وسلم, and only mentioning them with goodness. As for speaking bad about them, especially about Aisha radiallahu anha, and especially talking about their honor, then this is disbelief, it is kufr to do that, to speak ill of the wives of the Prophet ﷺ and to take their honor, especially what they say regarding Aisha radiallahu anha, then this is kufr. وَقَدْ أَجْمَعَ الْعُلَمَاءَ عَلَى تَكْفِيرِ مَنْ يَقْذِفْ عَائِشَ رَضِيَ anha. And the scholars are agreed upon the takfir, the kufr of somebody who accuses Aisha radiallahu anha, لِأَنَّ اللَّهَ تَبَارَكَ وَتَعَالَ أَنزَلَ بَرَاءَتَهَا مِمَّا رُمِيَتْ بِهِ because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala declared the innocence of Aisha radiallahu anha in the Quran itself regarding the story that they mentioned of her and the accusation then this was declared innocence of it in the Quran itself so the likes of the Rafidah, the likes of the Khawarij who speak about the companions and who speak about the wives of the Prophet then they are upon clear misguidance and it is kufr, as the Sheikh mentions, the one who speaks ill of the companions and the wives of the Prophet ﷺ in that way and accuses them falsely. Then he says, وَإِذَا رَأَيْتَ الرَّجُلَ يَتَعَاهَدُ الْفَرَائِرِ فِي جَمَاعَةٍ مَعَ السُّلْطَانِ وَغَيْرِهِ فَعْلَمَ أَنَّهُ صَاحِبُ سُنَّةٍ إِنْ شَاءَ اللَّهِ 
وإذا رأيت الرجل يتهاون بالفرائض في جماعة وإن كان مع السلطان فأعلم أنه صاحب هوا. That if you see a man regularly performing the obligatory prayers in congregation with the ruler or other than him, then know he is a person of the Sunnah, inshaAllah. And if you see a man neglecting the obligatory prayers in congregation, even with the ruler, know that he is a person of innovation or a person of desires. فَالَّذِي يَتَعَاهَدُ الْفَرَائِثِ فِي بِيُوتِ اللَّهِ تَبَارَكَ وَتَعَالَى قَالَ اللَّهُ فِي شَأْنِهِمْ إِنَّمَا يَعْمُرُ مَسَاجِدَ اللَّهِ مَنْ آمَنَ بِاللَّهِ وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ The one who fills the mosques and prays in the congregation, then that is something praiseworthy, and Allah mentions them in a praiseworthy manner in the Qur'an, that nobody fills those masajid except the believers with the recitation of the Qur'an, with the prayer, with the remembrance, with the dua, that is the believers who fill the masajid with that. But as for the people of innovation, and that's what Imam al-Barbahari is talking about here, the people of innovation, they do not do that. يُشِيرُ إِلَىٰ أَهْلِ الْبِدْعِ مِنَ الرَّوَافِضِ وَالْخَوَارِجِ وَغَيْرِهِمَ الَّذِينَ يُكَثِّرُونَ الْحُكَامُ وَلَيْسَلُّونَ وَرَأَهُمْ جُمْعَ وَلَا جَمَعَةً They declare the rulers to be disbelievers. And therefore they do not pray in the congregation with them. And they abandon the masajid. Those types of people he is talking about them here. فَهَذِهِ مِيزَاتُ أَهْلُ الْبِدْعَةِ This is from the characteristics of the people of innovation. From their distinguishing factors. فَإِذَا رَأَيْتَ رَجُلًا لَا يُشَارِكُ الْمُسْلِمِينَ لَا فِي جُمْعَ وَلَا جَمَعَ فَهُوْ مِنْ أَهْلِ السُّوءِ وَأَهْلِ الْبِدْعِ وَالضَّلَالِ So if you see a person not participating with the Muslims in congregation in the prayer, then he's a person of evil. And from the people of innovation and misguidance, سَوَاءً كَانَ سُلْطَانَ جَائِرًا وَكَانَ عَادِلًا Whether the ruler was somebody uh, oppressive or he was somebody just. عَلَى كُلِّ حَالِ اعْتِيَادُ الْمَسْجِدِ يَدُلُّ عَلَى أَنَّ صَاحِبَهَا عَلَى حَقٍ وَعَلَى سُنَّةٍ Insha'Allah, going to the mosques and praying in congregation, that is a sign that the person is upon the truth and is upon the sunnah, insha'Allah. Uh, and it's mentioned in a hadith, which is a weak hadith though. That if you see a man regularly at the mosques, at the masjid, in congregation, then testify that this is a person of iman. The hadith is weak, but the meaning of it is generally correct. Like the ayah mentions that it is the people of iman who go to the masajid and fill the masajid. So it is the people of Iman, the believers, who enter the masajid and the congregations. A person who does not go to the congregation of prayer, saying that the ruler is a kafir and you can't pray behind him, uh, you can't pray in his masajid. The one who makes those types of rulings like the khawarij, then they are people of innovation and misguidance. As for the people of the sunnah, it is the opposite. They pray in the congregation, they pray in the jama'ah. And they pray the jama'ah, and they don't abandon that due to the ruler. And if you see a person being slack with the obligations, being slack with the obligations that are upon him, uh, in terms of the congregational prayer, etc., then know this is a person of desires, a person of misguidance. 
So the person who does that, he misses the obligatory prayers, or rather the obligation of the congregational prayers. He doesn't pray in the congregation. Then know that this is something bad in that individual, a sign of uh, badness in that individual. A person who stays behind from the congregational prayer can do so if it is for illness. He's ill, for example. So the person, the point the Sheikh is making here actually is that a person who stays behind from the prayer stays behind due to an illness. And that is the illness of hypocrisy and the illness of sinning and disobedience. That's the type of person who stays behind from the congregation prayer. Otherwise, if somebody was genuinely ill, that's a legitimate reason. But somebody who hasn't got a legitimate reason, then he's staying behind because of a different illness. The illness of hypocrisy. That's what the Shaykh is mentioning here. Uh, so a person could be accused of being hypocrisy upon hypocrisy uh, if he stays behind from the congregational prayer. Uh, and so that is something obligatory and a person should strive to make sure that you pray in the congregational prayer and especially as we've said here before, here, for example, in Bolton, there is a masjid of Ahlul Sunnah of As-Salafiyyah. So there is no excuse whatsoever for anybody. Everybody should be coming to pray from the males in the congregation, in the masjid, and they should not be staying behind from that. Then after that, he mentions, وَالْحَلَالْ مَا شَهِدَتْ عَلَيْهِ or مَا حُلِفَتْ عَلَيْهِ أَنَّهُ حَلَالٌ وَكَذَلِكَ الْحَرَامِ او وَالْحَلَالْ مَا شَهِدْتَ عَلَيْهِ وَحَلَفْتَ عَلَيْهِ أَنَّهُ حَلَالٌ وَكَذَلِكَ الْحَرَامِ وَمَا حَاكَ فِي صَدْرِكَ فَهُوَ شُبْهَةٌ That the lawful is that which you would witness and swear to be lawful. الحلال ما شهدت عليه وحلفت عليه أنه حلال The halal is that which you would witness and swear to be lawful. Likewise, the haram is that which you witness and swear to be haram. That which causes you uneasiness in your heart is something doubtful. If there is something which causes you uneasiness in your heart, then that is from the doubtful affairs. Here the Prophet ﷺ, that the halal things are clear, the haram things are clear. And in between there's the grey area where you're not sure about things, doubtful things. The halal is very clear, the haram is very clear. Then those affairs that you're doubtful about, you should leave them. Not get involved in something which you don't know, maybe it could be haram, you think maybe it's halal, you're not sure. Those types of affairs then you should not get yourselves involved in until you find the evidences. Don't get involved in the doubtful affairs. There are affairs in between the halal and the haram, the gray area, the doubtful area. Many people don't know about those things apart from the scholars, apart from the people of knowledge. So those types of affairs you have to research into, you have to look into. It is not permissible to simply go and perform anything without knowing the permissibility of it, without knowing whether it's halal or haram. Because as the hadith gives the example, that would be like a shepherd who takes his sheep to the edge of his field. 
Then what's going to happen? It's possible some of his sheep might end up going across into the next field of the next farmer and eating his grass and oppressing him. So you don't take it to that level. Stay away from that boundary. Don't go to the grey areas and then after the grey areas you might fall into the haram. That's what this hadith is explaining. The halal is clear, the haram is clear. As for the doubtful things, the areas you're unsure of, then don't blindly do whatever you want. Rather you look for the evidences then, you look for the proofs, you ask the people of knowledge before getting involved in affairs that you are not aware of regarding their permissibility or impermissibility. So that is what Imam al-Barbahari mentions there. The halal is that which you testify and you know it is halal and the haram the same. And as for what you're unsure of in your heart, then they are the doubtful things and you should stay away from those until you find out the evidences. Then after that, the next section he talks about وَالْمَسْتُورُ مَنْ بَانَ سِتْرُهُ وَالْمَهْتُوكُ مَنْ بَانَ هَتْكُهُ This section now is talking about the types of people or the types of issues who a type of person is and what ruling is upon a person but that section inshallah ta'ala will begin with from the next section uh, from the next uh, lesson which will be in two weeks time next week is postponed and the week after that inshallah in two weeks time may the 16th will carry on from what's left of this uh, book and inshallah ta'ala there's not much left now we're in the final section of it uh, and so we'll try to conclude that from those from those lessons starting in two weeks' time again, insha'Allah ta'ala. Wa sallallahu ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.